0: What is happening, amazing people? Thank you so much for joining the show. This is the Kyle Chitty Show with a special guest today, which I am super excited about. So let's not waste any more time and head over to the conversation. Just Before we start, um, I think it will be good for us to um, maybe mute the call. Or let's say that maybe if you are speaking, I would mute myself and obviously vice versa. I think it just helps a lot with the echoing if that makes sense. For sure. Yeah um, but listen maybe a lot of people I'd say don't know you perhaps. Um, yeah. So yeah. let's just maybe start with a little introduction of like who you are. Maybe you can tell us you know who you are, what you do, where you're from you know and all that jazz. For sure. Okay
1: so my name is Mtogo Zisindava um, but most people call me Mtogo. I'm from a small town in Numbumalanga called Witbank, also known as Emanlalheni. And yeah, man, small town guy, um, grew up in Whitbank, um, spent most of my time here, I went to Johannesburg for a little bit, came back, and I'm back in Johannesburg again. And yeah, bro, I'm a, I'm a speaker. Uh, I have a business. I'm passionate about God and the things of God, but more specifically, I'm I'm very passionate about communicating to people who are far from God and making sure that they, they hear the message of, of God and his love. Um, I think if you, if you spend any, any amount of time with me, you'll see that I'm, I'm a regular guy. Um, I don't like to put myself on a platform or anything like that. I just know that um, we all have a story. We're all going somewhere in life and that um, somebody can say something to help you move forward, if somebody can say something to help you establish and grow a relationship with God, um, that is a good thing. So that's basically what I do. That's basically who I am, bro. Um, yeah, that's basically it, man. Yeah,
0: no, definitely. That's amazing, man. That's, uh, I would say, a pretty cool introduction. You know, you are, you are a lot of things, which I obviously know you of. Like you, you used to work with youth, or you still do. Um, i know you passed the church now in imalakhleni um, i normally struggle with that word imalakhleni or imalahleni so let's use imalakhleni for for now i think it is correct um, and to be honest like I, I also used to stay there it's a, it's, a, it's a cool place it's a, it's a very small town um, which also makes it such a such a loving community because obviously people know you and and they care for you so so definitely, man. Imalashleni is the is the place to be. So, brother, <laughs> man, I want you to <laughs> I want you to tell us about it because you know in recent times we've heard um, also about a, like also about a lot of stories. You know, especially the president also made mention of this. You know, and that is the topic of gender-based violence, right? Um, now you know a lot about this. You know. Um, And I believe you can share your knowledge with us, you know, personally with me as well, because I also have to grow also in this, I say the area of this and, um, you know, using my platform more to talk about these things, you know. um, So let's say uh, someone is listening to this who has absolutely no idea, you know, what the situation is, you know, with gender-based violence and, and all that stuff. So maybe just explain to us, you know, what it means. Absolutely, absolutely, bro. So um,
1: the whole issue of gender-based violence for me started when um, I realized that I actually have a, a massive conviction for it and that um, something happens in my heart when I find out about any matter that relates to gender-based violence. And gender-based violence in the simplest form is when um, one gender is experiencing a lot of um, Hate, um, a lot of abuse, physically and emotionally, from the opposite gender. Um, in this current season, we see a lot of guys uh, who are hurting a lot of women, and there are some instances where a lot of women are hurting the guys. And um, but I'm, I'm specifically I'm, I'm specifically looking more at how the the men are affecting the women, and you know, just in, in ministry and just in life as well, you see all these um, experiences where people are actually getting hurt by they, their spouse, getting hurt by their boyfriend or girlfriend, um, getting hurt by even family members. But in South Africa, there's like a disproportionate amount of people who are getting hurt by the opposite gender. And you know, it's, it's a very painful thing. And I think it comes from a place of hurt because there's a lot of people in our country even in the world who are very hurt and they tend to express that hurts in ways that um, is not healthy in, in a manner that is toxic and that causes actually a lot of people's lives to be put at risk. And some people even die from gender-based violence. And it's, uh, it's become worse since the lockdown. A lot of people have lost their lives. A lot of people have um, been put in hospital. And you know, the stress and the, the pressure of this lockdown has, to, has revealed to people who they really are. And in as much as there's, there's people who are losing jobs and as much as there are circumstances that people are facing that are very difficult, it's also causing people to really realize who they are at their core, you know? It's not a coincidence that now that, um, now that we're in a lockdown that there are, there are so many people, there are so many cases of gender-based violence and I think, as a, as a community and as people, that we should take what is happening, do introspection, and see what is causing this hurt amongst ourselves, within yourself as an individual, and why is it becoming such a big deal um, in your life, and why is it becoming such a big issue in your in your relationship, and even in your community as well. So that's that's basically what gender-based violence is, and a big issue is that the women feel like the men aren't listening and it's been happening for years and I think now similar to the Black Lives Matter movement, Black Lives Matter movement is there have been enough cases to prove that um, the women are really in trouble and that they really need help from the men and they need the men to step up. So yeah bro, that's why it's, it's, it's such a, um, a big deal for me, it's such a big topic for me. Um, I believe now is the time I believe um this is a conversation that should start and that should continue to develop as we as we go, so yeah
0: um no, definitely, man. um I wanna ask you this question because you know personally, I believe that nothing changes until it starts, let's say in the church, right so so let's just use the issue of race, you know, like. I believe that sometimes the church needs to be vocal about it because the church has the answer, if that makes sense. Um, so I want to ask you like, what is the role of the church? Let's say in the topic of gender-based violence, like how should the church like really react also towards that?
1: So I think in, in terms of the church, um, we need to start speaking about these things practically, uh, and in a manner that is um, that will produce change. You know, in, in in church, sometimes what happens is we get so focused on um, the afterlife that we don't equip people to live in this current life. Um, we become uh, super spiritual and um, so so um, so about eternity that we forget that there's this portion of life called time, right? And that we are a human beings right, and we have this limited amount of time on earth, and that during this time on earth, this is how we should live as well. I'm all about um, um, letting people know that there's an amazing um, eternity waiting for all of us, that once we once we die, that we have the opportunity to live in eternity with God. But I also believe we should be very practical in our teachings as to how to become better people day by day, because um, it will be cool if if, you know, we'd give our lives to God, if we would commit to, to following the ways of Jesus and that, you know, not before long that we are in heaven having a good time, you know. But the truth is you're probably going to be on earth for a while, you know. So I think as a church, we should really teach practically, um, teach the men how to, how to be godly men and teach the women how to be godly women as well. And, you know, there's a, I believe there's a lack of teaching for the men, um, that the men are not groomed to be godly men, to be men of, integ- of integrity, to be men of, of, uh, of real power and authority, but who use that power and authority in a manner that elevates women and children. Um, you know, you think of a child who, a girl child who growing up, they have toys that are babies, uh, they have toys that are houses, you know, they have kitchen sets. They have all these things that prepare them for um, adulthood. So very practically, they're getting exposed to things that you'd probably be doing as an adult from a young age. Um, I was with my my sister's, sorry, my girlfriend's sister's child, and she was carrying a baby on her back. She's two years old, by the way. She was carrying a baby on her back. She was... Um, with another like little toy, I think she was like changing the nappy and all those kinds of things. And it's like, from a very young age, we teach uh, little girls how to be women, but we don't do the same for guys. You know, we don't have structures in place and and systems in place to help them um, transition from being a boy to being a man. And we think that just because guys are getting older or that a boy's um, gone from like 10 to 20 to 30, that as the number increases, so does the level of maturity, but that is not the case. And a lot of guys need guidance. They need to they need to know practical steps on how to be a man. So that when you know, um, when you're angry, this is how you react. When you don't get your way, this is how you should react, okay? This is how you should treat a woman. This is how you should treat kids. This is how you should manage your sexual appetite. This is how you should manage your money. This is how you should, um, show sure, a woman that you love her, this is how you express your pain, this is how you express um, dissatisfaction, but um, what happens with a lot of guys is that they learn along the way, and unfortunately they make mistakes um, by hurting other people, and I think what needs to happen in the church is that we need to have a very real and very practical conversation about being a man one one you know, um, before we before we teach them how to do a lot of other things, we should just teach them how to be the, the gender that God had created them to be. So I think that needs to be the primary conversation. And I think um, men's ministries and youth ministries and um, even kids ministries should really start to teach the practical side of the word of God and, and equip people to be better human beings here on earth before they transition and go into eternity.
0: Yeah, no, definitely, man. I, I also agree with you on that. And I know you mentioned, like, we need to be very practical about it. You know, we need to teach men how to treat, like, women. Like, how, you know, how should the conversation flow with your guy friends? You know, like, because I believe that nothing changes until it changes in your immediate circle, if that makes sense. But um, I, I want to ask you this question is because we've now discovered that we need to do more practical things for men, you know, in like, in like teaching them, like about the opposite sex and like how to handle them, how to treat them, you know, but I want to ask you this question is that what would lead, because like you said, like, like it is a vice versa thing. There are women also, also abusing guys and, and also vice versa. But I want to more, Maybe touch on the on the side of men abusing women, right so I want to ask you like what would lead um like a man to do also these things you know if that makes sense no absolutely Roy. it makes
1: uh, makes a lot of sense I, I think there's a there's a combination of of reasons that would cause a man to do this, but the first and um What I think the most important one is that he is lost in who he is. Um, He has all this energy, he has all this testosterone, and he doesn't know how to channel it in a positive way. Um, When you lift your hand at someone and and you hit them simply because you know that they're a weaker person, there's issues inside of you, and those issues relate to your identity, Those issues relate to your purpose and and those issues relate to really as a human being just where you are and where you're going. Because if you know who you are, you know where you're going and you trust that there's a plan for your life, you don't have time to hurt other people, you know. Um, You'll be too busy focusing and doing exactly what you feel like you were created to do. But as soon as you face hurdles, as soon as you face um, situations that really test you as a man what you tend to do is you tend to express your manhood in negative ways. So um, I've seen a lot of guys who abuse women because, um, you know, we always laugh and say short man syndrome, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But often a a person who's abusing another person doesn't love themselves. They don't understand um, who they are and they don't understand where they're going. And you know, self-love is one of the most important things that a human being can have because if you love yourself, and especially if you're a spiritual person and you love yourself according to the standard that God has set for you, you take that same measure of love and you give it to other people, and there's no way you can love someone and hurt them at the same time, you know, um, love is just a decision to be, love is a decision to commit uh, to meeting somebody's needs without expecting anything in return, and to love somebody means to meet their needs, but are you really meeting their needs? Can you really say you love someone if you hurt them? You know. So, if you don't have a strong understanding of love and you don't love yourself, um, you, you more, you're you most likely to be an abusive person. But also, if you don't understand where you're going in life and you're struggling, you're struggling to understand your purpose as well as your identity, um, whenever somebody comes to you with a lot of energy, especially if they are asking you questions, if they are um, trying to figure out what's going on What's going on in life, um, you become aggressive, you become angry because this person now is reminding you of all the areas that you lack in. And I think this is very important to say because um, women, by nature, are multipliers, right? They can take the smallest thing and through processes produce something bigger, right? They can take a seed um, and produce it and after nine months give you a baby. They can take a bunch of ingredients and after an hour or two you have um muffins or a nice cake or anything like that. so they can take anything and and multiply it and produce it right but in the same way that they can multiply and produce with the good things they can multiply and produce with the bad things right and if you give a woman a little bit of confusion uh, a little bit of hesitation a little bit of uncertainty she can take that multiply it and then give it back to you, okay? Because she doesn't just take it and multiply, she gives it back to you, um, because it's in her nature to do that. She incubates something, once it's grown, she gives it back to you. And if a guy is not sure of where he's going, doesn't understand his purpose, he gives a woman that confusion. And what she does is she processes that information Starts to ask questions, okay? And these questions can come across as interrogation if you don't know what your plan is for your life. Um, And if you're a person who, through time, has figured out where you're going in life, these questions are not intimidating. You're just giving her the information that she needs to be the person that she needs to be in order to help you get to where you want to be in your life. But if you're struggling with your identity, if you're struggling with your purpose, these questions overwhelm you, you feel like you're being questioned, you feel like you're being put in a corner, and the more you put a man into a corner, um, the more defensive he gets, until he really feels like he's cornered, and then he starts to fight back. Um, it's a natural reaction for a human being to, to fight back when they feel like they're being attacked. Um, so I think um, a lot of abuse stems from that, right? There's, there's later stages of this, but I think at the core, it's an issue of self-love, it's the issue of not understanding your purpose and not understanding who you are on Earth, what what you were created to do, uh, and and what value you add to the Earth. Because when you understand those three things and you have figured out how to uh, constantly balance all three, it's very difficult to not um, it's very difficult to not treat somebody well. Let me put it that way, because a lot of people don't treat other people well because they feel like there's things in their life that they need to compensate for, there's things in their life that they need to, um, there's pressure in their life that they feel like they must relieve. And a lot of them feel like by dragging somebody else down, by manipulating someone, by hurting someone, that they will elevate, but nothing about their circumstance ever elevates. So, yeah, um, the core issue is self-love, it's purpose, and your identity as a human being.
0: Yeah, no, definitely, man. Um, I wanna ask you this question and I know it will it will definitely spark some, it's a controversy, um, but I wanna ask you the question about, you know, there are many religions in the world and it might seem as some religions, are, let's just use this word, like maybe elevate men, like above women, um, but I know you are you are a minister, so I would rather just you know have you talk on the Christian realm of things. Um, you know, the verse in the Bible says that wives, you need to submit unto your husbands. Like, would you say this is a is a verse that is like demeaning women?
1: Absolutely not. Um What happens with the verse about submitting is that we we forget what the rest of the Bible says and the principle of having a relationship with God, right? Um, Women get offended when they say that they should submit, right? Number one, because they understand their authority and their their purpose in Christ. They understand that God has made them a powerful human being who can think, who can do, who can um, express themselves to the fullest potential, so why should that be limited by a man? And what we tend to do in church is that we focus on telling women to submit without telling the men that they need to submit to God, right? And number two, we need to tell, um, we need to teach people, both men and women, that the guys are submitting to God, okay? And as a guy submits to God, he's responsible for everything that is under his authority. So when a man and a woman join together, The husband is the head of the home okay he's the husband he's the house bond so he bonds the house together but he's also the head of the home meaning that he is not above everybody but he's responsible for the 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 general direction in which the whole family is heading you know that the head controls every part of the body and it's not the head's responsibility to to think or act better than everybody else it's the his responsibility to make sure that the rest of the body is operating to its fullest potential. So the man should be submitted to God. And if a man is submitted to God and has committed to God, that is gonna take care of the lady. Everything that God is feeding him will take care of her. And if he's sensitive to everything that God is saying, the woman's prayers, the woman's uh, needs, the woman's goals will also be met because God would not put a man and woman together only to leave the woman um, sitting at home and doing nothing. Um, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with with uh, being, for example, a housewife, but I'm saying that there's potential that has to be unlocked. And God who also used a man um, to unlock the potential in a woman, but it requires her to trust that she, um, it requires her to trust that this man has her best interests at heart. And through that, um, the man must have a good relationship with God because it's only God who, who can really teach you and equip you to take care of your wife and to make sure that she, she has everything that she needs to ultimately fulfill her purpose here on earth. So there has to be the element of, of understanding that every man must also submit to God, okay? And the Bible is very clear that um, even in the verse before that, you know, the verses before that, that The husband must love his wife as Jesus or Christ loved the church. Meaning that the husband should should lay his life down for the sake of the woman. What does that mean? It means you sacrifice. It means you give of yourself for the sake of the other. Jesus gave the best of himself for the worst of the church. Okay, And as men, what we need to do is we need to give the best of ourselves for the worst of the lady for her. Weaknesses, for her flaws, for shortcomings. We're supposed to give of ourselves to empower her, to strengthen her, to fill her with hope and courage so that she can be the ultimate woman that God has created her to be. Now, a man who's not submitted to God doesn't know how to do that because he's not getting the, the leadership and direction through submission that God is giving him. And if he continues to be sensitive to everything that God is saying, God will help him become the man, number one, that he needs to be in order for his wife to submit, and number two, he will be the man that his wife needs him to be in order to support her and to, to give her the environment that she needs to thrive. So there has to be, <clears throat> pardon me, there has to be um, both sides um, submitting. If the man doesn't submit, okay, he, he tends to follow his own will, he tends to follow his own thoughts, his own plans, and, those plans may not necessarily be in line with God's plans. And a woman, a woman is smart. Sorry, there was like this big shake in the house. It freaked me out. <laughs> so a woman is smart. She knows that um, she needs somebody to guide her in the right direction. And if she feels like she's not going in the right direction, she, um, she then starts to say, why must I submit? And why must I trust you? Because if you break down the word submission right it's two parts it's sub and mission sub means to be underneath and mission means there's a plan there's a there's a clear um destination that you're heading to so as men number one do you do you have a plan okay because a woman will not sub where there's no mission and is that mission aligned with god Because if that mission is aligned with God, she will trust you and she'll submit to you because she knows that you are hearing from God and that you're making moves based on the will of God. But if you don't have a mission that aligns with God's will, she will not sub
0: underneath your mission. So, yeah, man. Man, definitely, man. That was so beautifully said. I agree with you on that, you know, definitely. Um it is the way it's supposed to be you know men are supposed to lead and uh you know like you said that obviously christ is the head of the church and the man is the head of the home you know and obviously that's the order of things but i want us to talk about um a huge thing and i think it is a big problem you know especially amongst our youth but i think it's also a problem amongst the adult men but let's say women as well you know we don't want to be on let's say on the controversial thing and they say but okay but what about men let's use them both um and that is the issue of pornography right i want you to talk to me about the effects of it and then i also want you to i want you to more i would say maybe educate us on the role of sex because i feel like it also has a huge role to play because men have this urge in them you know whether they're married or if they're not married is is they obviously would like to have sex. You know, and I mean like let's say you are a parent listening to this and you and you're walking blindly, believing that your 14 year old son or 15 year old son has never heard about sex. Like newsflash is they actually do hear about it, especially at school. You know, and um, because we have cell phones these days, so it's much more easier for you to have obviously the access to those things so i want you to talk to us about like what are the effects they are and also what is the role of sex
1: sure that's a great question bro um i think for this one i need to take it back to the book of genesis where god created adam and eve right and one of the the first instructions he told them was to to be fruitful and to multiply right and to fill the earth and to govern it, right? To rule over the fish and everything else, right? And, you know, God will never tell you to do something that he hasn't equipped you to do. So by telling Adam and Eve to be fruitful and to multiply, he deposited a sex drive in them, because you need a sex drive to have sex, and you need a sex drive to continue driving in in terms of making more kids, right? So, God deposits a sex drive in every human being. But what tends to happen is is that we think that just because somebody is your child or that somebody is um, 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 grew up in a particular uh, environment that they do not have a sex drive. But the truth is God deposits a sex drive and is just as natural as clenching your fist or blinking or, or thinking or chewing. It's part of who a human being is. But what tends to happen is is that in the church, we don't treat a sex drive as natural as we treat waving or or blinking or hearing, right? And it becomes this, this thing that we shouldn't speak about. And when we do speak about it, we tell human beings to not do it until they get married, right? But you reach the age of 10, 8, whatever, 8, 9, 10, or even 11, and suddenly you look at a girl and she doesn't seem as disgusting as she used to. Now suddenly she's, she's quite appealing. You kind of like the fact that her hips are sticking out. You kind of like the fact that she has boobs and a butt and she doesn't look exactly like you, right? And it's, it's, it's in these moments where a boy starts to discover certain things about himself and it's in those moments where a girl starts to discover certain things about herself as well. And a conversation needs to happen prior to this moment. Uh, Because in this moment, what a guy starts to do, or even a little girl, is to start to draw her own conclusions based on the limited information and resources that she or he has. So they will speak to their friends, they will watch TV, they will watch um, movies, and whatever information they are fed on those platforms will then become the standard or the foundation of their sexual life, which is horrible. So I think that when a kid is six, seven or eight, um, that the discussion should start to to happen. You know we even see on TV that there's um, an age restriction where it says PG-10 which means parental guidance for kids who are below the age of 10. Meaning that whatever the kids are going to be exposed to on the TV needs to be guided by the parents. The fact that they are 11 years old or 10 years old doesn't mean now that they should watch the show on their own. It means that you should be there to facilitate the process of information that they are receiving but anyway we should make sure that by six seven or eight years old that a kid is starting to be taught that listen you are a boy this is a girl okay ultimately there'll be parts of you that will start to come alive at a certain age okay this is called the sex drive you'll be attracted to the opposite sex okay and this is normal this is natural when you start feeling that way let me know okay and also you will be exposed to things but make sure that if you ever get exposed to them, that you contact me, okay? So that I can facilitate the process of you um, taking this this knowledge, taking this information and producing a, a foundation and a, a set of norms in your life. Because what tends to happen is, is that kids get exposed to pornography or, or um, any sort of sexual content, even on TV, in a movie or whatever, and they produce that they... they um, they take that information and they um, process it themselves, which is, I think, is incorrect. So as parents, as guardians, as older brothers and sisters, we should make sure that a, a child is, is spoken to about these things and that at every stage, um, before they reach adolescence, through adolescence and even into adulthood, that every stage there is a conversation being had about what is happening, what is normal, what to do, how to control your appetite, okay? Because your sex drive is like an appetite. It needs to be managed. It cannot be prayed away. It cannot be fasted away. It cannot be cut off. You need to manage it, okay? Um, and it's a good thing. It's a beautiful thing to have a sex drive. But like, like anything that isn't contained, it becomes dangerous when it, when it is left to do whatever it wants, okay? Electricity is great when it's in those tubes, and it's directed straight to your house into a plug, okay? When I plug something in, I get electricity, but because it's controlled and I can manage it, it's a great thing. But if uh, a power cable on the side of a freeway falls over and I step on it, that uh, an exposed cable, and I step on it, um, that can kill me. So it's so the same electricity, but when it's contained in two completely different ways, it has the power to either help me or to kill me. And I think kids need to understand that as well, and that we should talk to them as openly and as honestly as um, other platforms are talking. Because we think that kids are not being exposed to these things, but like you said, Carl, they're already exposed to them. And a lot of people think that they're not, but they are. And these conversations should be happening all the time. You should always check in, you should always see what they're saying, what they're doing, what they, when they're with their friends, what's going on. Um, that this process should continually be managed. And you know, when, when it comes to pornography, when sex means pornography, um, something in your mind unlocks when you've been exposed to pornographic content. I think every male and every female knows there's, there's something in you that unlocks, okay? It's almost like in the Garden of Eden where Adam and Eve ate the apple and something in them changed. They didn't physically feel it I'm sure the arms were still the same length and the fingers still move the same way, but something in them was different. And when there's something in you is different, um, it takes a while for your body to figure out what it is and, and how to manage it. Because now the good thing that God had created in terms of your sex drive is now um, has now been exposed to images and these images now look different from what you know and these images are are, are, are painting, um, they they are drawing, or let me say they're engraving um, a set of standards and norms in your mind and you don't even know it. I think that is the most dangerous thing because now you start to think that what happens in porn is what should happen in real life. And porn actually desensitizes you from reality, it desensitizes you from normal human engagement, it desensitizes you from the ability to communicate with a male and a female, and also it sets unrealistic standards for sex and intimacy between a man and a woman, okay, and the more porn you get exposed to, the more desensitized you become, and ultimately when you're completely desensitized, you become delusional, and um, when delusion has fully grown and fully manifested, you become dysfunctional, and um, things like rape, things like molestation—all these things are, are fruits or products of um, an image that was engraved into your mind, that ultimately grew and grew and grew, and you became desensitized to reality, and it grew and grew, and you became dysfunctional, and ultimately you—you sorry—you it grew from. Um, um, I'm, 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 i not forgot what I said, but. In this full manifestation, you become dysfunctional, and a dysfunctional human being hurts other people because now you're not functioning the way that you were supposed to when you were created, right? Uh, human beings were created to function in a specific way, and once you become dysfunctional, you're still functioning, but not in the way that you were created to. So we need to teach people to not watch porn. Whether you are a, are a spiritual believer or a person who doesn't even like the idea of God, of Jesus or church. Porn causes you to, um, to see reality in an augmented way, and it causes you to interact with human beings in a way that, is, that God has not created you to, the, the way that God didn't create it. And um, people don't understand the power of porn, and people get addicted to porn like anything else, but porn is unique in the sense that you destroy yourself from the inside out that you don't see what's happening outwardly, but it starts from the inside and you start to rot from the inside. And then ultimately you start expressing things physically um, and you end up hurting yourself first. And then once you become numb to hurting yourself, you start to hurt other people. So I believe porn is a gateway. Um, I believe porn is is an open door to dysfunction. And the more people... Um, embrace it and the more people dig deep into it, the more dysfunctional you start to become. The more you start to think that a woman is supposed to look a particular way when you don't realize that these people are acting, when you don't realize that these people have had surgery and that um, the way they speak to each other and the way people interact on porn is not how things happen in real life. Okay? Um, People cannot have sex for three hours straight. People... Do not have perfect, perfectly shaped boobs people do not um, just see life in 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 whatever way they want and do whatever they want with human beings you don't you can't treat human beings as a possession so that is the problem, and I think it it continues to grow the more people think that um, it's okay yeah I
0: know definitely man and um like, I mean, what you obviously said is also so loaded, you know, I think there's a lot of wisdom also to be found in that, you know, and uh, just before you go, because I know you do have a lot of things to do. Um, you are, you are, you are a busy man. Um, you know, just before we go, I want to talk about the practicalities, you know, like how can men maybe improve in the conversations they have? Because we know, you know, conversations among men or boys is normally about women, you know, especially if, you, if you're if you not married, you know, it's normally not in a good way, you know, um, maybe you want to chase this girl or, or, or whatever, you know, and like, so talk to us about the practicalities on how can men use their platform or use their voice, you know, to, I'd say to be Okay, let's say to shine more to shine a light more on this topic. Like I'd say what can men do?
1: Yeah. Um, I think the the best thing is, number one, to be honest with yourself. Um if you've had a struggle with porn, like myself, I actually had a big struggle with porn. Um um on more than one occasion. It it didn't get to dysfunction but it, it started getting close. And the reason why I can talk about it so openly and so honestly and in such detail is because I've been there, you know, it's crazy. Um, I've been there and the more you share, um, the more you share information about how a human is supposed to work and how we were created to function, the better, Uh, the people who are influenced by you will be. And it's important to also tell people who are in the, um, tell people who are struggling with the same issue how to develop, um, how to explain this. Let me put it this way, let me put it this way. If somebody's struggling with porn, the most important thing to tell them is how to come out of it. Um, some people have, through God's grace, just immediately it happens and they're suddenly out of porn. They're completely delivered, they're free, they don't care about it. But some people need to slowly and gradually come out of it. You know, it's a, it, it took a while to get into porn, it took a while to get into sexual dysfunction. For some people, it will take a while to get out. But it's, it's through conversations and dialogues like this and voices like this, this is why, I think I appreciate so much. I um, appreciate what you're doing so much because somebody will hear this and somebody will, their life will change, but it's, it's in dialogue, it's in engagement, it's in hearing other people's stories, it's in um, having platforms where they can learn when the change happens. And people need to share their struggles more because um, when somebody is, is suffering sexually, it's, it's an internal thing, it's a secret thing. And it's not something that people will open up about. And when they do come to church, they don't open up the way that we we expect them to open up. They'll just say, hey, I've got an issue. <laughs> please pray for me for peace. Or please pray for me for self-control. You know, they'll, they'll make it very churchy and they'll cover it up and make it like, um, they'll speak in a way that is very um, secretive, in a way that doesn't disclose a lot of information. But I think if we continue to share our stories, continue to tell other people how we got out of our struggles, that people will glean will from that, they will gain strength from that, and that they will, they will take it and, and see how they can improve in their own lives as well. Um, it's important for guys to get around and to talk about more than beer and sports. We need to talk about the practical things in life. We need to equip each other to handle money. We need to equip each other to handle our sex drive. We need to equip each other to, for marriage for kids, for everything and allow ourselves to teach and also be taught as individuals as well, man.
0: Mm. No, definitely, man. I, I also agree with you on that. And I also like that you said that we need to share our struggles with one another um, because I think there's really also power in that, you know, I know James also in the Bible writes this and he says that share your sins with with one another so that you be healed you know so I would say there's definitely maybe healing in um, you know sharing your struggle with one another and I mean I mean that's also the power of the church that's also the power of the brotherhood is that you know we are people of the cloth you know we pray so um, so definitely man I absolutely agree with you and uh, I do want to say that I really also appreciate your time I think it was really full of wisdom and also so insightful. Like I personally, I learned a lot. So I really want to also thank you and, and and just say that, you know, you are also obviously doing more phenomenal things, you know, um, also reaching people uh, with the gospel in the city of Imalashleni. Is, is it a town or is it a city? I'm always so confused with it. But um, just want to say, brother man, that I, I really appreciate your time and also what you do. But I want to ask you a last question, or or let me say it's not a question. It's more, let's say you had one message for someone listening to this. Like, let's say if they forgot about everything we said, if there's one thing you would like for them to take from this, you know, what would that be?
1: Bro, thank you. Thank you so much for having me, man. Um, I appreciate it. Um, this platform is amazing, and I know it's going to do a lot of amazing things, man. Um and even before, before I answer the question, I know, I know God has started something special that is going to continue to grow and it's going to continue to help a lot of people. Um, even I'm still getting, trying to get used to technology. You know, I do the videos on YouTube and stuff, but even now it's going back and forth. <laughs> it's, it's very new on, on a digital platform. But if I had <clears throat> one thing to tell a human being, I would tell them to, number one, Identify your gift and cultivate it and then spend the rest of your time giving that gift to the world. <clears throat> Excuse me. The reason why I say that is because if you discover what you do and you discover who to do it for, you start to structure your life in a very organized and methodic way. And it's very difficult to get distracted and to 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 fall into all kinds of temptation if you're on track doing the thing that you were created to do. You know, if a train is on the tracks, if it's going slow or going fast, as long as it stays on the track, it keeps going and it keeps doing exactly what it was created to do. But the moment that we remove the tracks, the train ceases to be a train. It has no direction. It doesn't have the the, the path in which um, it should go in order to guide it and, and to lead it to do exactly what it was created to do in the manner it was created to do it. So find out what your gift is, um, cultivate it, develop your gift, and then present it to the world. And a lot of people will say, what is my gift? And your gift is the thing that you do the absolute easiest that produces the most amount of results. So for me, I'm a communicator. I'm able to communicate. I can take a concept, break it down, and communicate it on video through graphic designing or videos in the business or, you know, through a YouTube channel, through writing and all those kinds of things, I communicate. So I take that gift of communication and I cultivate it through reading, through watching videos, through studying, all those kinds of things. And then I present it to the world, right? And because I'm so busy communicating to the world, especially the story of God and hope and peace and love, it's very difficult to get distracted by all the other things in, in life. and life will bring challenges and will bring difficult circumstances. but um, I'd rather face difficult circumstances than allow life to distract me because I know that on the path of doing what I'm supposed to do, what I'm supposed to do, there will come difficult times. There will come hurdles, there will come uphill battles. and I, I don't have time or energy to get distracted. I need that energy to fight my battle. So focus on your gift. Cultivate it. it you, don't, you don't discover it immediately. Often your gift is discovered by all the things that you're not interested in. Um, <laughs> it eliminates all those other things until you realize, actually, I like this thing. Some people know from the get-go. If you're Messi or Ronaldo, you know from day one that you play soccer. But, yeah, focus on your gift. Um, cultivate your gift through education through mentorship through um, apprenticeship programs through working and present it to the world that's definitely what I would say because if you have that solid foundation it's a lot easier to help people it's a lot easier to give to people it's a lot easier to be generous and it prevents you from drowning in a world of loneliness of hurts and dysfunction so yeah that's definitely what I would say man
0: well thank you so much for joining in today i hope you have enjoyed it as much as i did please send us some feedback on whether you've enjoyed the show or if you absolutely hated it we would love to hear from you but until then peace out god and change the world